You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined by EJ Snyder, the site's lead draft analyst. EJ, how are you doing today? I am excited about Christmas. I am not excited about how the Bears season ended. Uh, there are some things to watch for the rest of the season we'll talk about, but uh, certainly not as exciting as it could have been. So um, I'm not going to say somber, but definitely not celebrating. No, it's a unfortunate end, uh, <laughs> sort of the inverse of last year, where the Bears were able to knock the Packers out of the playoffs and clinch the NFC North in the same game. And this year, the Bears get knocked out, and the Packers took a giant step forward to clinch the North. So, uh, yeah, definitely not what we were anticipating. But let's uh, let's talk about what we brought to drink. And I will start because. We've done this before, after a rough loss, to bring on a bourbon. So I'm going to crack open a nice bottle of bourbon because I think we deserve to drink nice things, even after bad losses. And so I bought this bottle of Blanton's, which is a very good bourbon. Yeah. And I had... um, picked this up it's very tough to find lately i picked this up in kind of a special liquor store vault uh <laughs> unlocking at my local liquor store that i like quite a bit and i hadn't looked at the bottle yet uh besides the cap so if you guys don't know what blanton's is they have uh, a rider on a horse um at the top of a cap and it's like a cork cap so it's a, it's a very nice bottle it's sealed in wax and all that kind of stuff and then they have different poses and uh, a corresponding letter for each so uh, this one happens to be the b uh, so it's like the first pose where it's the, the, the horse is at a neutral gate i guess and then they get like they're racing and then the last one the s for blantons um the guy's holding his hand up in the air celebrating so this happens to be the b um it was a random choice i just grabbed it unfortunately it gives me two b's but i'm going to trade one of them to another guy who's trying to collect the series as i am and i pulled it out of the the case today and i was getting ready and i teased this out on twitter but this happens to be the hand number of each bottle this is you know very fancy bourbon and for this barrel it happens to be bottle number 200 and we are going to be talking about the 200th installment of Bears Packers. And I thought, ah, geez, it was meant to be. So that's what I'm drinking tonight. What about you? Impressive. Well, I did not bring a bourbon, but I did bring some hard alcohol to, um, uh, we'll just say toast. Uh, I, I'm of Irish descent, and uh, the Irish are famous for wakes, so we can have a decent time even when something dies. 
And as a corresponding thing, I brought on some Irish. Uh, this happens to be Jameson. It is their limited edition um, Caskmates edition. Um, uh, mellowed in IPA brewing barrels. And since I know you find IPAs bitter and distasteful, I thought it was appropriate. But <laughs> it does mellow a bit. And this is uh, the limited edition they did with Bailbreaker IPA barrels. Um, and I tried the original IPA Caskmates and, and was not super fond of it. I like the Stout Caskmates edition quite a bit better. Not surprising considering my taste in beers. But um, this one is um, mellow, a little bit citrusy. But yeah, Jameson's for me uh, in the glass. And then did you bring anything in a bottle to back up your Blanton's? Oh no, I'm just doing bourbon tonight, friend. All right. Well, I'll I'll do the beer I bought then too because I before you told me you were doing uh bourbon, uh I went and got a beer. But uh I picked up Pyramid Brewing's Snowcap Ale. Uh it's their winter ale. It's eh, fairly famous here in the Northwest, been around a long time. Um they describe it as a dark brown, full-bodied, timeless seasonal offering. Um dark malts Pleasant bit of bitterness. Uh, it seems like the alcohol's come down a bit. It used to be uh, one of those winter beers that would knock you around a little bit. Uh, it is currently sitting at 7% alcohol by volume. So not as heavy as it used to be as a winter warmer, but um, still quite tasty. So that's uh, once I have my small sip of Irish, I will I will dig into the snow cap. All right. Well, go ahead and open everything up, and I'm going to pour some in this nice tasting glass that I have. Uh, oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm familiar with Blanton's, uh, a work associate of mine who I occasionally watch football with, uh, is a big fan of Blanton's as well. So I have tried it. Um, I do not own any bottles of Blanton's, so lucky you. Stuff to find. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's talk about this damn Packers game. Um, <laughs> started off with one of the worst calls that I've seen in a long time because it was such a big play. And of course I'm talking about the punt, the short punt, by the way, um, that Cordero Patterson timed his hit perfectly, forced the fumble, the bears recovered, clear recovery, and the officials deemed it necessary to start off the game in typical fashion and give the Packers a heads head start by calling a kick catch interference the punt returner did not call for fair catch. I, that's not necessarily what that call means. Basically saying they didn't give him a chance to, to field the punt. It was clearly not true. Uh, they, I think they even kind of got together to try to talk about it, and they still weren't able to come to the right conclusion. So Patterson gets robbed of a, a wonderful highlight play, which really just bothers me uh, to no end that he's not going to get credit for that play. Uh, instead of the Bears ball in midfield, the Packers took over at the 35. Bears defense looked like they were getting off the field, but Rodgers comes back on a fourth and four, and uh, Devontae Adams burns Buster's screen uh, on a one-on-one, kind of a zero, uh, zero safety coverage on that one, which was questionable. Uh, Bears made it seven to three before the end of the half. Uh, Packers came out in the second half and scored two quick touchdowns. Sort of, sort of put it away. But the, the, you know, give the Bears credit; they did come back. They, they kicked a field goal. 
to to make it a two score game. Trubisky had a touchdown pass to Anthony Miller in the middle of the fourth quarter, and then they weren't able to complete the comeback. They had a couple of chances, and then of course the now famous uh, failed lateral play, and the ball uh, was fumbled at the end on a weird. Uh, attempted pitch by Jesper Horstead that was recovered by the Packers at the one yard line, which is kind of, you know, in a <laughs> representative. way, really representative of, of, of the Bears season. And so, uh, so the Bears fall uh, to seven and seven, and they were mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. And, you know, the season, once that happens, the season's all but over. You just play out the string, uh, a couple games left, but. Um, tough, tough way to go down against your rival, uh, and in the 200th meeting and it, boy, it sure would have been nice to at least steal that one and, and, and play some meaningful football here. But that's how it, that's how it ended. Um, big picture stuff before we get into a couple of specifics that we wanted to talk about with this game. Um, no, you can say no. <laughs> I, I, I think it's no, I, what you said about the the last play, and I saw people get really up in arms about this play, the lateral play at the very end of the game. And, and look, that's a desperation play by a team that's been clawing along and good for them for still trying, you know, not outright quitting. Um, you know, that they had a chance was probably the biggest deal about that play. The fact that it didn't work out is you know, probably the mathematically most likely result and people getting really upset that this last bit sort of single thread gambit or, you know, gambit to win the game didn't, didn't well, pan to, out was just to, like, to, it just seemed to force mis- a two point conversion to tie the game. Yeah. Not even to win the game. It just know? seemed, uh, really misplaced right and i know people are angry it's not cool to have the season end it's not cool to do it to the packers again it's not cool to see aaron Rodgers gloat over first downs none of that stuff is great but to really get like viscerally angry at a fourth string tight end in jesper horstead for not completing what was essentially a, a high risk low probability hail mary of a type play is was just a little off base i mean i let it go for folks that were you know just obviously angry but in terms of big picture no i think the game played out a little bit like we expected and there wasn't anything terribly shocking on either side to talk about yeah i kept saying that i thought that the bears defense would be able to limit the packers to about 20 points and they only scored 21 and so it it, it's just it's one of those things where you think you've got the opponent scouted pretty well, which for the most part, I'd say in this year's podcast, we've we've pretty much done that pretty accurately. It's just that um, I tend to not have a good handle on what this Bears team is going to look like. Oh, uh, just is, you? <laughs> well, I know it's not just me, but I'm, yeah. I'm just self-scouting here. But sure. uh, it, it seems as though my expectations for this Bears team are not always what comes out on the field but the opponent seems to be about what i expect and and look i i'm gonna be a big uh, vikings fan this week uh they play the packers on monday night uh if nothing else i'd like to see them win that game so that the packers get knocked down to the three seed and have to play on wild card weekend um i'm gonna cheer for whoever is playing them in the playoffs that's just who i am i'm always going to root against green bay and my 
playoff watching is going to be cheering until they get knocked out. I'll have my own cheering interest for other teams, but I, that's what this season now is, is trying to root for them to, to get knocked out of the playoffs. And I, and I take an amount of pleasure in cheering against the Packers. And when they lose, I get pretty happy. But I don't think that this team is all that good, but they continue to be stacking wins and putting themselves in a good position. And unfortunately, that can kind of roll into some deep playoff run, and that's going to be frustrating to listen to Joe Buck talk about. Well, isn't that always frustrating with Joe Buck? Uh, he, yeah, and other national media as well. So I'm with you that the the role of spoiler as Bears fans, you know, pick your pick your opponent, and the the opponent is who's ever playing the Packers, and that's a pretty good strategy to follow. I think it'll be, quite frankly, much more interesting, um, even from a somewhat objective or semi-subjective standpoint to watch some of the other teams in the NFC who've made really strong runs or I would say stronger runs than I think the Packers run has been. We both think they're a little bit artificially inflated in terms of wins and there's some other teams out there that'll be really interesting to watch as they push into the playoffs and see how it all shakes out. But yeah, if the Packers continue to roll, especially if there's any help from the officials because that's something that's out of the players' hands and continually seems to be fairly one-sided when it comes to Packers games. They they definitely get more bumps from the officials than they take. Um, and yeah, I'm with you for your rooting interest as we go deeper into the playoffs. It's, it's whoever can give the Packers a, a decent knock and hopefully a knock out of the playoffs once they start. And then from there on, you know, what's, what's the most interesting storyline to follow? Yeah, and I think we'll we'll be able to preview the playoffs in a couple shows. I think we'll do one last wrap up show in a in a playoff preview show. But um, we'll we'll set the, that aside for now. But like you brought it up, and let's just talk about it for for a minute or two. But that penalty, I was talking to a guy at work who's a, who's a Bears fan, a friend of mine, and he uh, he said I watched and I saw that uh, bad call and I just turned it off. I just it was mm-hmm. not going to work out for the Bears, mm-hmm. and that's unfortunate because obviously you only get so many of these games every year, yep. and you want to be able to enjoy them. And I I felt that same way, and I and I mentioned it on the live stream with uh, Stephen uh, before the game started. I said, Look, this this Bears team isn't good enough to beat the Packers and the referees, and so if what has happened in the past, which is uh, bad calls that go in favor of Green Bay or non-calls uh, you know, on Bakhtiari. Or there was that nice uh, kick return after the field goal in the first half where there was a very clear block in the back that would have sat them on the 10-yard line, but instead they got the return back out to midfield. Wasn't called. Those things are called all the time. But here we are. Packers have the ball at midfield. We don't even, they don't even show us the replay. Uh, <laughs> and there we go. Like it's just it's not talked about, and it's a it's a non call that went in their favor. And I, I you know, generally I'm not like in a, I, I am not a conspiracy guy. I don't think that referees go in thinking that they need to give the Packers extra calls or anything like that. But somehow this team gets so many extra chances, gets the benefit of every single doubt that it drives me bananas. Yeah, it's it's not any mystery it's the star system the star system is in place in uh 
you know, every major sport, uh, maybe a little bit less so in hockey, if you consider hockey a major sport, but in basketball, really obvious in terms of, um, you know, hey, that guy traveled, everybody saw it, and they just don't call it because that's the leader of that team, and that's the reason that people watch. Baseball, you know, that, that starting pitcher, that number one, got however many hundreds of millions of dollars to start, and strangely enough, that strike zone's just a little bit bigger for him. Um, and Aaron Rodgers is no different. If you put a third-string quarterback in charge of the Packers, if something happened to Aaron Rodgers and, you know, their second stringer went down and now you're on to some random rookie from wherever, Utah State or something, they're not getting those calls. Um, it's not going to happen. There'll be a little bit of a hangover for a couple of weeks if it's just a kind of holdover job. But if, if that third stringer is going to start for the rest of the season, those calls are going to go away because they're not going to have any more star power. The viewership's going to drop off. And whether it's conscious or subconscious, that's the real sort of conspiracy thing. I'm not saying it's conscious, but it's absolutely subconscious. If you add it up over the years, there's no denying that the Packers, especially at home, um, when Rodgers is playing, get more calls than than the opponents or, or more non-calls, which you pointed out as well. And the thing that bothers me most about the Cordero Patterson call is, look, the call was bad, and we can talk about that. In, in replay, he got there at at the perfect time the the returner actually did catch the ball so so don't give me kick catch interference um patterson nails him and patterson is a big guy very tall um you know really decently built uh, especially for a guy playing on special teams and he's moving at a really high rate of speed and the returner who's smaller than him squats down to catch that ball and even at the speed and size that patterson has he manages to pack himself up and if you look at the replay his knees are about on his shoulder pads he right. really bends down to avoid nailing that guy in the helmet because if he does he's going to get the penalty for helmet to helmet he instead gets low enough even though the guy's smaller than him to hit him squarely in the shoulders and just rock him and of course he lets go of the ball because i i don't know anybody that would willingly you know stand there and have cordero patterson run into him at full speed because he's a big guy and he's really fast that's just a bad mass equation but Here's this play from Patterson that is a, you know, I would say an all pro special teams play where he has to go to great effort to to get there at exactly the right time and avoid the penalty. He does both perfectly. He couldn't have timed it any more perfectly than he did. And instead, it turns out to be a huge benefit play for the Packers. Uh, and that's the kind of thing that'll turn a game early. Like you said, you can't um, fight the home team and the refs at the same time. Yeah, it was a world-class play. We learned today that he made the Pro Bowl, so kudos to him. I mean, I think we've both been pretty uh, excited about Patterson. I think I've been uh, <laughs> trumpeting his play for a while now, and I'm just really excited for him to be able to to get that. And I think the next step is to get a first-team All-Pro for him because he's been fantastic. The unfortunate thing is that play should count. It doesn't in the stat book. It'll get lost, uh, you know, to, to history, but hopefully we can keep it alive in our memory because it was an, a picture-perfect play. It was a dumb decision by that returner. He should have called for a fair catch or, uh, you know, called Peter and had everybody just bounce out of that uh, that area. But to run up <laughs> to run up to try to catch that ball without a fair catch was a dumb decision, and he, he certainly paid for it. Um, 
let's let's uh, let's move on. I I want to talk about Trubisky a little bit because he had stacked together a couple of quality games. And here we go in a big moment on the road, and he's airmailing, you know, short passes, just nowhere near uh, his receiver. You know, he made a couple nice throws, but just the inconsistency that we see with Trubisky in the first part of the year came back. And I, so I guess you could say he played a little better than, than the incredibly low bar that he was uh, playing at uh, in the first part of the season, but. Uh, this is what we were talking about last week where it's like, you, you can't get whiplash. You can't say, Oh, he's back. We're good to go. Um, you have to wait. You have to see the entire year. And he just, he, he's not the solution. It's, it seems to be continue to show uh, over the long run that this is just not going to happen for him. Yeah. The, flip side of the coin or or turning the mirror around and really looking at it in a different light is I tweeted out something during the Packers game that you know a testament to Rodgers greatness is that he makes the results um, of these games feel inevitable you never really felt especially after the early penalty but but even still you never really felt like the Bears were going to rise up and take it from the Packers now give them credit at the end of the game they actually pushed and got it close but it never felt like the Bears were in control of that game or putting the Packers in any kind of stress. And that's a credit to Rodgers' greatness is that he just keeps those things in hand and you know puts the hammer down when he needs to and makes sure that the other team's going to win. And Trubisky lacks that quality um, right now. We're three years in. It's not likely that it's just going to rear up you know, might he have a late career run somewhere else? I think he probably will. He's a talented guy, and if he figures it out and it slows down for him a little bit, could be frustrating for Bears fans if he has a sort of Ryan Tannehill-like resurgence as, as Tannehill's had with the Titans. But, you know, placement means a lot, and landing spot means a lot. We can talk about that a little bit later in the podcast as to what that means to players' arcs as to where they land. But Trubisky never makes it feel like that, and he did regress. He didn't fall all the way down to the floor, right? He didn't go all the way back to that terrible level that he started the year at. But he definitely dropped off from a higher level of play, and it's not terribly surprising because the Packers' defense is decent. We talked about that as well, and it just felt like before this game that he was due for a little bit of a reset and saw that, and the bottom line is the bottom line. When most of the game was on the line, the offense as a whole, as a team, led by Trubisky, managed six points. And that's not enough points to win an NFL football game on average. Now, comes back, gets the late sort of push, again, up-tempo, you know, drive ending with a pass to Miller. But when it matters, when the game is still really sort of being contested, the best the Bears could do is two field goals. And that's not going to win you a lot of NFL games. No, it's not. And you know, I have a feeling we're going to spend a lot of time on this in the offseason, so you don't want to belabor it here. But again, it's just, it's, uh, this is why we have been saying, like, you want to wait until you see the whole picture because, uh, you don't want to get whiplash. You don't want to just be moving back and forth between positions. And I, I'm not happy about, no one's happy about this. Um, or if they are, maybe don't listen to those people, uh, (laughs) as bears fans, but 
it's it is what it is, and uh, Ryan Pace is going to have to figure it out uh, in the off season of how they they bring in competition for him. Um, I, I I just don't think that you can go in to next season with Trubisky as the unquestioned starter at a minimum. You yeah. know, maybe they make a big move, and there's someone who comes in who's going to be the clear starter but uh, i don't know if that'll happen but i think that at a minimum there has to be a signing where there's a competition in training camp for that starting job yeah, if they do that if they roll into next year with trubisky as really the unquestioned starter whether that's spoken or unspoken you know in the fact that they don't bring in any reasonable or serious competition Bears fans, including us, are going to have serious doubts, and rightfully so. There's there's no way to lean on really the last two years' worth of results from Trubisky as a whole and say, that's our guy. Absolutely, we're putting all our eggs in the basket again. If the Bears' leadership and management does that, um, they're missing the boat. It's just not smart football. We saw that this year when the wheels fell off early. The season really got derailed, and and from then on, the Bears have been playing catch-up from behind the eight ball, just trying to salvage something, trying to hang on the very last piece of tails of the, uh, you know, to sneak into the playoffs, hope somebody else loses. That's not a way to compete, certainly for the basics, which is a division title and then, you know, a conference title and then a, and then a league title. That's not, it's not the way you do that. So if they leave Trubisky in as the unquestioned starter without – you know, true and serious competition. I think every Bears fan is right to question the the team leadership, to question Ryan Pace, and say that's not enough. You're not doing enough to win. Well, let's flip to the other side of the ball because I want to I want to talk about Prince Mukamara. We've we've talked about him a little bit, and I think to be fair to Prince, you have to respect a guy who is trying to play through an injury. But it's not really helping the team, uh, particularly at a position like corner where you can get exposed pretty quickly. And it's just it's just not happening for him. And he was in and out of that game. Uh, Tolliver, I think, has at least shown flashes and is something that I hope that he gets the opportunity to start the last two, particularly against a couple of uh Teams that that field good wide receivers. I mean, Tyreek Hill coming up. Uh, Michael Hardman, young rookie, uh, is pretty interesting, fast guy. Uh, Sammy Watkins, you know, has you know good route running ability. Um, and so, there's a good challenge here coming up against the Chiefs that I hope that Tolliver gets a chance to uh, to, to to play out there. But we talked about Prince a little bit. Concerns with him being on the wrong side, you know, the downside of his career. I guess we'll say. And worried about the future with him and this team, and who's going to step up into that cornerback spot. So, uh, any any thoughts on Prince before we uh, turn the page on this this uh, particular game? Lots and lots of thoughts on Prince. We started in at the beginning of the season saying, you know, the Bears are okay at outside corner, but they're not great because if either of the two starting corners at that time, Prince and Kyle Fuller, uh, go down, the Bears don't really have anything proven behind them, and it could be a very long season of facing top wide receivers if one corner's not up to snuff. And at some point, Prince got hurt. Uh, he's definitely trying to play through an injury. He is not right. If you watch him run, he cannot open it up. He was never a fast guy to begin with. He was more quick and tough. 
uh, played you know a lot of man press and that's really his game but he was never a speedster he was never going to keep with long downfield speed and now it's just so pronounced that if he loses half a step he's three steps behind and it really just looks like he's limping and that may be exacerbated by the fact that he knows there's nothing in the cupboard behind him now Tolliver um, as a result of just being healthy and a bit younger than Prince has looked a lot better and that may be that Tolliver's 100% is better than Prince's 70 or 65%. Um, but even so, you got to look at the objective reality and let Tolliver play it out. And now that the Bears are out of contention, it's pretty easy to do that. And it would be very beneficial for them to shut Prince down, get Tolliver out there, get him some reps, like you said, against quality wide receiver talent and see if he is somebody worth keeping or if Boundary Corner sort of leaps to darn near the front of the pack in draft needs and becomes a really primary you know, hole to fill this offseason. Yeah, Tolliver is one of my favorite undrafted free Was he, he was an undrafted free agent, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was one of my favorites uh, coming in. Uh, geez, last year, right? Boy, now I'm all questioning myself when I'm saying it. But I think it's uh, three years ago. But three uh, years ago, uh, I think okay. he's had two full seasons. So yeah, that seems okay. Like. So you know, it's one of those guys where you're like, oh, this is exciting, and then obviously they're probably not going to contribute right away, and then you know they they stick in the system and they build, and then they get to the point where they're out on the field and they're contributing, and they're like, oh yeah, hey, I, I remember liking that guy. And so it's fun to see him get some reps and make some plays. And so you're kind of curious to see if he can kind of take that next step and, and actually be a full-time starter. So uh, I, if nothing else, that's something to watch for in these next two games, particularly, again, against uh, two two teams that have had some success passing the ball. So um, something to watch for. And then I just, I just wanted to make one more point because we see a lot of this on the message boards and on Twitter. Uh, I personally, I just want to put this out there, make my stand, I guess, but I still believe in the culture that Matt Nagy is building. And after this loss, you saw a lot of quotes from Bears players that were talking about this was a brotherhood. You know, they weren't going to throw anybody out of the bus. You're not hearing Bears players tell the opposing team to, hey, come get come get me in the offseason. Um, you know, like they're like they're having to deal with in Cleveland. I mean, talk about a crazy story uh, out in Cleveland with OBJ and Jarvis Landry and guys like that. A lot of guys, not just two or three, but a lot of guys openly asking teams like the Cardinals <laughs> to come get them in the offseason. The, the Cleveland Brown players are asking the Cardinals to come get them to save them from their situation. This is an NFL franchise. We learned this week that the Jaguars had 25% of all player grievances uh, in the league were against the Jaguars and they ran Dante Fowler out of town. Like they, they, that's a terribly run organization, right? The Browns clearly have a lot of issues. There are a lot of really bad organizations in this league. And on the opposite side of that, even in a bad year, Matt Nagy's group believes in each other. They care about each other and they, they are sticking together. And to me, that's a sign of a really good head coach. And you're going to have these bad years from time to time. But if you have that culture, that's going to be a thread that allows you to be a competitive team in the long run. 
Yeah, you saw the Bears in the fourth quarter against all odds. They very easily could have shut it down. They've had a lot of injuries. Uh, Akeem Hicks looked like he got dinged up again. Um, Amukamara, as we talked about, is definitely fighting through an injury. Many of the starters have been lost to injury. And they're still out there. They're still digging. They're still trying to make plays. They're they're down to their last gaps trying to score a touchdown. I don't begrudge them that. And, and quite frankly, it's the opposite, just like you. I applaud them for that. And Nagy, too. He's done a, a good job as a head coach. We can talk at length about his decisions as a play caller. That's a different matter altogether. In terms of culture... Um, guys still playing for him. Uh, it's pretty obvious on teams when guys quit. Uh, I know a guy that covers the Browns, and he went back and watched their film this week because their players in their post-game press conferences were saying, hey, not everybody's on the same page here, meaning a bunch of guys have already checked out. And he went back and watched the film and said, wasn't very hard to find you know, two or three guys that were basically just kind of standing up on every snap on defense and and you know touching the guy across from him but but not giving anywhere near their all the bears are not in that situation and it you don't have to have a very long memory to go back to a team that completely quit under mark tressman and gave up you know consecutive 50 point performances against the defense that's a team that is absolutely quit it's a dumpster fire there's screaming in the locker room players are asking out um all of that stuff and none of that is occurring with the bears so matt Nagy's job as a head coach has been pretty darn solid his job as an offensive play caller we can talk about in the offseason it hasn't been that great and i think he needs some help going into next year or at least some some different folks around him that can help him support the offense in a different way or compile the offense in a different way but as a head coach you're right he's got the respect of the players respect of the locker room the team is still playing hard and pushing forward towards the goal and that's the ultimate credit to a head coach absolutely and so uh that's a that's a really good distinction that I've been trying to draw, which is there's Matt Nagy, the head coach and leader, and there's Matt Nagy, the play caller. And I think that the play caller piece of it is an interesting one, and we can get into more of that in the offseason as we talk about maybe shaking up that coach's room, maybe bringing in a running game coordinator, something like that. But um, it definitely, I, f- I feel really confident in Nagy as a head coach moving forward. So, uh, we're gonna we're gonna close the book on this uh, Packers loss, and we're gonna preview the Chiefs, uh, but we're gonna take a quick commercial break, and we'll be back on the other end. All right, EJ, we're back. So, Bears. They they kept us in the Sunday night football slot for some reason. Uh, I imagine because why would you give up a game with Patrick Mahomes? And, of course, Chicago is a big market. Uh, but, unfortunately, this game is in prime time on Sunday night for the, for the entire country to see. And I say, unfortunately, because the Chiefs are playing some good football right now. They're 10-4. and four. They had kind of a October swoon where uh, Mahomes was hurt. I happened to be at two of those Chiefs games back-to-back weeks that they lost. So my invitation to Arrowhead has been uh, denied. I have I have no rights to go back to Arrowhead, but they lost uh, to, to Indianapolis, uh, Houston, and Green Bay at home in, in October. So 
bad month for them. Um, but once they got Mahomes rested and his ankle feeling better, uh, they have played uh, quite well. They've rattled off four straight wins, including a victory over the Patriots in Foxborough, which is not an easy place to win, as we all know. They had, I think they snapped their 21, 22 game home winning streak, something like that. Uh, so this is a really good team. They travel just fine. Uh, they have a better record on the road than they do at home. Um, and they're coming in with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. They have Tyree Kill uh, playing well. They have Travis Kelsey playing well. They have the elements of Andy Reid's offense working well. Uh, they have a secondary led by Tyron Matthew, the Honey Badger, who are playing particularly well as of late. They don't play the run particularly well, but um, that might be their one weakness here uh overall this is a really good team with aspirations of a deep playoff run coming into soldier field big picture thoughts before we get to some of the specifics unfortunately they play well in the weather too they played in the snow last week and looked just fine um kansas city can be a bitterly cold place to play especially when the wind kicks up so the idea of bear weather or you know northern climate outdoor stadium having any effect on the chiefs is probably uh just um crocodile tears in the wind no big deal they're not it's not going to affect them and they're on a roll they've got a great Great structure, like you said. Um, very solid offensive line. Um, a passing game that's clicking with a healthy Patrick Mahomes. A defense that is opportunistic, if not great, against the run. Um, they have some good pass rush defensive linemen. Um, yeah, not a lot of not a lot of holes to poke in the Chiefs as an overall organization or their gameplay. And quite frankly, if the Bears win this game. It would be one of the larger upsets, I, certainly of the week, possibly of the month, or even the season. If if the if Matt Nagy finds some way to turn the screws against his old employer and you know upset that sort of team on a roll, that very powerful team on a roll, it would be a huge, huge story. I don't expect it to happen, but it's. I don't want to say it's David and Goliath, but it's reaching those proportions, right? The Bears should be serious underdogs here. Yeah, I think they're actually only five-point underdogs, but for a for a road team to come in as as a five-point favorite is is saying something. Um, I I I I, <laughs> I haven't made any sort of official picks yet. I we, we'll talk about picks later, but it's going to be hard for me to not uh, take the Chiefs. Covering that spread, I'll just put it that way. It's they're a really good team. This is a this is a game I've been really worried about because I don't think that the Bears match up particularly well against them. And so we have we have a couple things uh, that we want to talk about. They're ways to victory, and it's also a way for you to have a victory over your holiday season. Uh, that's the first point. And this is look, we're just going to get it out. It's Mahomes first Trubisky. How to talk about it with friends and family. This might be your best written bullet point of the year for an agenda. <laughs> if there's an award for that, this one takes it without without question. When I read this agenda for the first time, I laughed out loud at that line because it's so true. Is This is going to come up and you need to be prepared. So we're here for you. So one of the things, and this is, look, this is self-deprecating humor. 
This is something that I – one of my favorite comedians is Conan O'Brien. He's very good at this where if he makes the joke first about himself, you can't make that joke, right? And so I – on group texts with friends or when I'm at gatherings with Chiefs fans, I have a, I have plenty of those in my life, and they they you know they want to bring it up. I, I always just try to bring it up first. And I just say, aren't you going to thank us for taking Trubisky off the board so that you could take Mahomes? That's usually my opening salvo. And then people say, well, what all, you know, can you imagine if they would have taken Mahomes? And I usually say, I'm pretty sure John Fox would have found a way to screw up Patrick Mahomes. So you're welcome, America. We didn't do that. This is seriously true. I love the preemptive strike approach. Um, always good to get the first shot in when you know you're going to take a couple. Um, that might just be the Irish in me talking, but there you go. And as far as the whole what if Mahomes had landed in Chicago thing, yes, it was under John Fox. And there's a couple of players out there that I want to talk about because the Pro Bowl selections did come out today. Um, and more than that... Um, a guy named Devontae Parker signed a huge <laughs> extension in Miami um, as a wide receiver. And I had Devontae Parker rated either second or third the year he came out as a wide receiver. And I've spent the last two or three years hearing about how wrong I was and how bad Devontae Parker sucked because he went to the Dolphins and he didn't produce anything. And that was a huge miss. Well, sure enough. Um, the leadership of the Dolphins changes. They get a new head coach. Uh, they go in the tank for the first half of the year, and then they decide, um, maybe not inexplicably, but um, <laughs> pretty decidedly, okay, we're going to start playing now. We're we're going to come together as this young nucleus core, and we're going to try and we're going to try and win as many games as we can for the second half of the season. Because hey, we have to be out here and play them anyways. Devontae Parker has a breakout season, right? He gets into a situation that is more conducive for whatever reason and starts showing the talent he had at Louisville uh, when he was one of Teddy's wide receivers there. And I was really excited about him as a prospect and have spent the last two or three years weathering that abuse um, and thinking, hey, maybe I missed on Parker. And, you know, turns out Parker still has a ton of talent and it's situation. And the other guy is David DeCastro, who just made the Pro Bowl for the Steelers, um, was drafted as a guard um, out of Stanford, and didn't play very well for most of the beginning of his career. Again, gets finally to a program, to a place where he fits and he's healthy. And sure enough, wow, David DeCastro can play some serious football. And it's the same way. It's all about finding that spot. And we talked about it earlier in the program with, hey, maybe Mitch Trubisky, if he doesn't stay with the Bears, eventually goes someplace else and has some success. And yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he'll find that coach or system that makes him click. But to think that Mahomes would be Mahomes if he had come in under John Fox and Dowell Loggins, who's currently out ruining other young quarterbacks right now, is fallacy would Mahomes have been better than Trubisky maybe would he be as good as he's been in a quarterback friendly place under Andy Reid in Kansas City there's no way it's there's that's just grasping at straws so the better than Trubisky argument yeah maybe um as good as he currently is or the same version of himself in Chicago that he is in Kansas City 
no freaking way. It's just not possible. So that's a that's a kind of goofy argument that people will throw up the board. And there's a lot of examples of players playing either really well in their first situation and then moving on and playing terribly. There's a lot of Patriots players I can think of that fit that that description or vice versa guys like Devonte parker who come into a situation that's not conducive to them for whatever reason it changes and suddenly oh my god that guy's good so um yeah go with the preemptive strike as step number one that's really good and then diffuse the whole oh mahomes would have been an all pro in chicago not mm, terribly likely yeah and I, I just i'm so incredibly sick of seeing the responses in any kind of article or uh, any kind of Twitter post or whatever. And it, just, it seems so random. It's like you can't even say Trubisky's name without someone saying, oh, they drafted him above Mahomes and Watson. And it's like, really? Did that happen? And then some people get the drafts combined, and now they're starting yep. to say Lamar Jackson. Yep. Uh, and, and it's like... I, I know I cover I, I I spend a lot of time doing work with this team. It, I, I, I'm familiar with how that draft went down, and but everybody thinks they're the most original person to bring this up. We get it. Like it, they whiffed. Like they they made the wrong decision. But also to think that these outcomes for these players would be the exact same regardless of where they landed is as you say fallacy and so you can get into that too with your uh, uncle if you want um that's a little bit more of a deep conversation i like to try to just make the joke diffuse the situation and and hopefully move on um but it'll happen and it's going to be one of those things that probably happens at the grocery store uh happens you know, when you're when you're filling up your tank gas, like it's going to be one of those things that happens as you wear your bear stuff out in the world until the bears figure this thing out. Yeah, until the bears get a quarterback, and that's what those responses on Twitter are: uh, is just anger that hey, my team is not set at quarterback, and yours is, and I know, and I'm giving a lot of credence right now to the fact that I know how important that is, and I'm frustrated that my team didn't have the right combination of factors, and your team did, and that makes me angry. And now I need to sort of spew on people and put that on Twitter and whatever else. I I'm with you. I put the exact same thing on Twitter earlier this season as to, hey, can we just say Trubisky or Watson or Mahomes and talk about them as their own players in their own right in their own situation, and just measure them against that? And I got destroyed i mean i got like scorched earth no they will never be talked about separately and they cannot be talked about separately and this will always be the legacy and i got people talking about jordan and perkins in the nba i mean people just went nuts and it was like well uh i guess they can't be talked about separately because people are just not rational when it comes to this and i i kind of get it but i wish for the players um as much as us as commentators to be able to say trubisky or watson or mahomes forget lamar jackson uh independently and not get heaped on with well you know if this had happened well yeah yeah maybe but you don't know that either so it just becomes a very frustrating sort of circular argument yeah, and, and get ready for the graphic. 
Like there's gonna be <laughs> there's there's gonna be Oh, how about the picture at the Pro Bowl? Yeah, that's oh my God. favorite. Yeah, people trashing the Pro Bowl. And then there's there's gonna be it's Sunday night football. There's gonna be talk. There's gonna be comparison. It's gonna be painful. Uh prepare for it, mute it, put on uh, put on the radio call, you know, if you want, put on, put on Joniak and, and, and mute Michaels and Collinsworth because they're going to talk about it and, and it's going to be, it's going to be annoying, uh, because we know it bears fans, you know, at this point, if you, if you don't realize it, it's, uh, this game's going to sharpen the focus of it. And <laughs> and Mahomes is going to do some things that's going to make you know I don't know a lot of Bears only watch Bears uh, a lot of Bears fans only watch Bears games so maybe you haven't watched a lot of Chiefs games but uh, th- this game's going to make you go oh yeah so, yeah spoiler alert Mahomes will do a couple of things in this game he's uh, he's, he's good at the football so um, honestly I, I, I to me I, I've said this before but he, he reminds me of like Javi Baez so Mahomes has that background uh, of baseball playing shortstop being able to throw it different arm angles his his dad was a major league pitcher so he's got this baseball background and you can see it in the way he plays the game um, and so if you're a Cubs fan and you love how exciting Javi Baez is which that's you know that's my guy as a Cubs fan. Um, to me, that's that's what you you see in Mahomes is just crazy arm angles and just crazy highlights. So, um, it it is what it is. Uh, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say a key to the game is Trubisky needs to be better than Mahomes because that's not going to happen. Uh, but uh, one of the keys is that, and I'll just get it. I literally have two keys for this game. Uh, make Mahomes work for it, which is prevent. Tyreek Hill and Mikael Hardman from getting over the top and getting explosive plays. That's that's one of my keys. Is like we Bears the Bears defense just has to limit explosive plays for them to keep this one close and have a chance. And the problem is, we talked about this in the wrap up to the Packers game. Is that um, one of their starting outside corners is really hurt and can't run really well right now, and that is a bad combination against a pair of speedsters like Hill and Hardman. Um, it just makes it tough to I don't want to say double, but shade either one in coverage because they're going to put them out. They do this very very well with route combinations in terms of putting those guys where they pressure a safety um into making a choice and the safety can't really make the right choice because both of them are really fast and can get over the top uh and if they trot amukamara out there as the starter they're just begging for one of those guys to go deep sort of early and often and that's going to crack the game wide open the bears are nowhere near good enough to keep up in a shootout yeah i like buster screen a lot but if we find Buster Screen running one-on-one downfield without any safety help over the top with a guy like Tyree Kill or Mikael Hardman, it's going to be trouble. And, and so <laughs> it's, it's, it's honestly, the Chiefs are not running the ball very well this year. So I'm not really worried about their running game. But this is all about the, the, the over-the-top game with Hill. You see these big plays all the time from these guys. That just can't happen. You can't let them have those big plays. They're going to have to make Mahomes work his way down the field with intermediate, which he can do. But you're going to make the have to make him earn it. And maybe he gets frustrated with having to slowly work down the field, and maybe he makes a mistake uh, by going up over the top. But you can't let them get behind you. 
Yeah, the problem is the intermediate stuff, that would be a great strategy if he didn't have probably the best intermediate target in the game and Travis Kelsey in the middle. I know, I hear you. That's that's just it's like oh i have to drop and you know drop an 8 yard completion on the hook route to Travis Kelsey oh for shame for shame he can do that all day long and Kelsey can too and and again if you miss on Kelsey or or quit doesn't keep up with him uh, across the middle you know Kelsey can do the same thing to you which is just why the chiefs team is so dangerous right now yeah it's too bad that Roquan uh, is not there because it would have been a fun matchup to watch uh, Roquan uh, in coverage against or Danny, you know, Trevathan as well. It would have been fun to see those guys uh, try, try to take on Kelsey because he really is, uh, with George Kittle, uh, the best two tight ends in the game right now. And and with this particular offense, with the Reed offense, and Kelsey, to me, I think is what makes it go. And uh, he's definitely the engine of that offense. I think he's, I think he's leading the team in yards. I, I'd have to go back and look, but he's a very impressive tight end, and uh, certainly something that they need to, to to focus on. I just, for me, I just, uh, I'd rather see Mahomes matriculate it down the field rather than beat you with those. 20 second drives up over the top yeah the the death of a thousand cuts versus the 88 yard bomb to Michael hardman yeah i'm with you that's that's pretty demoralizing and they the chiefs unfortunately though can stack both right they can they can get the huge bomb come right back throw a you know 15 play drive that's 80 yards and kelsey will have seven seven receptions in that drive and and score anyway so they're they're not easy to stop on offense right now my my other key for this game is this if any game this needs to be a David Montgomery game because this game needs to be shortened uh, to be able to keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands the Chiefs defense if they have a weakness they're not very good against the run they are much better against the pass. Trubisky has not played very well against good secondaries this year. Obviously, we've gone over that a lot. And so I don't expect a ton of success out of Trubisky. And so if there's ever a game where this running game needs to get it going, this is it. Yeah, if there's a spark for that, I agree that that's one of the Bears' only chances to keep this game close, and I don't think there are many chances for the Bears to keep this game close, just to be clear. But one of the few sparks the Bears might get is they're out of it now. They should shut everybody down that's even a little dinged up, and that includes uh, everybody that has any kind of injury, including Prince. But they should also use those spots when they drop those guys to IR to bring guys like Alex Bars up. And Alex Bars, we've talked about since training camp, he's probably ready to go. He's a year removed from his knee injury. It's time to put him up there and see if he can create some holes in the running game because we haven't talked about it a lot, but the right side of the Bears line over the last couple of weeks, they sort of stabilized for a bit, but in the last couple of weeks, they have not been very stable. They have not been very good. They certainly haven't created a lot of space in the running game, and they've created some some bad opportunities for pass rushers let's put it that way so get alex bars out there at the right guard see if he can mesh with the other starting four the current starting four and and pop some holes open he's a powerful player and that could help the bears again 
chew up some clock, slow down Mahomes, maybe get some opportunities for Montgomery to to crack it open for a few more yards. But in general, the Bears need to be shutting down just about everybody and getting all those players like Riley Ridley and Duke Shelley and Alex Bars and all the guys that are trying to evaluate for next year out onto the field. And they can do that by dropping guys like Amukamara and, and several others on IR who've been fighting nagging injuries. You know, shut down Akeem Hicks. There's nothing left to prove. I know he loves football. I know he wants to play. He's clearly injured, probably not over the first injury he had. Um, get that guy shut down. Get him some rest and, you know, get some young folks in there and, and say, hey, we're going to evaluate all your film every snap and so is every other team and see if some young guys can get out there and tear it up. Uh, if that's the case, you know, maybe we see some bursts out of the running game and wouldn't that be fun, but it's still not going to be enough for the bears to overcome the chiefs. No, I I'm in agreement. I, I liked going against you last week and, and taking the bears. And like I said, I think I had the opponent nailed, but I just did not expect the bears to take a step back from their previous success so let's let's do the quick uh quick predictions which is just to be consistent throughout the year um uh, i will i will say that the bears are not going to be able to win this game and i'm going to say that they lose by more than one score which is actually significant because that does not happen very often but i think that it's going to be more than seven points in this one yeah, I'd say the Bears lose. I'd say it's by two scores. Uh, it's late in the season. Probably shut it down. If they do go with all the inexperience that I talked about, which I still think is the smart move, because again, you're not playing for anything here. A win against the Chiefs gains you absolutely nothing. So get those young guys out there. And if those young guys are out there, they're going to make some mistakes. You know, bars might give up a sack, and that could lead to a fumble. Um, you know, Duke Shelley could give up a long. Uh, completion to to Michael Hardman that leads to a touchdown or another field goal. So I think the Bears probably give up more points in the end. I don't think they give up, and that's thanks to Matt Nagy's culture that we talked about. But I'd say they they probably lose by a couple of touchdowns, which is significant if you're playing um, at home, you know, late in the year, but um, not significant in the big scheme of things. Um, you know, get those guys experience. It's more worthwhile than, than a W would be. And, you know, bottom line, if the Bears lose both their remaining games, the draft pick will be better than if they win both the remaining games. And at this point, you're out of the playoffs. What does it really matter? Get those guys some experience and, and see what happens. Well, I'm going to be at the Vikings game in Week 17, so I would like the Bears to win that one. But we can talk about that next week. So um, let's uh, – Plus you need bragging rights over Ted, right? Yeah, that'd be nice. Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about our drinks tonight and then, and then let's get out of here. So Bland's is really good. I poured it in a glass. I didn't have any ice. I didn't have any water. I didn't have any Coke or anything like that. It's just – it's a bourbon that you just drink. And you have it neat. If you want to do all those other things to it, I, I'm not going to judge you. I'm not one of those people that uh, is going to judge how you drink your bourbon. But this is a particularly good bourbon that doesn't need anything with it to be enjoyed. And so if you're able to find a bottle on the shelf, grab it and enjoy it. And thank me later. Uh, I'll thank you now because I've had some. So I will find some eventually. I just haven't made a point of it. Um, the... Uh, Jameson's Caskmates edition with the Bale Breaker IPA is really nice. It's a decent balance. It brightens it up a little bit without being sort of 
anything you don't want it to be citrusy or anything else it's still pretty smooth um, retains a lot of the Jameson character it doesn't get overridden by it so I always think that's a nice marriage when you can combine two things and not really deviate all that far from the original um, but definitely a different taste than a stock Jameson's I did put mine over ice that's my preference so thanks for not judging me and the snow cap is interesting it's definitely changed uh, pyramid sold many years ago uh, and uh, like I said, the alcohol's gone down a little bit. The overall flavor is the same. It it is brown and and malty. There's a little bit of dryness to it though. It has a little bit of IBU bite on the back, which might not make it your favorite thing. It's not that uh, smooth, caramely finish. It has a little bit more bitterness to it, and it leaves it almost a sort of a dry taste on the back of your tongue, which is strange for a winter warmer, but not unwelcome. Uh, just a little bit different. So not my favorite of the Northwest winter warmers. We've been through Jubilee and Slayer and a few others. Um, a good solid beer, but uh, not going to be on the top of my holiday list. How's that? Sounds good. Okay. So, uh, yeah, we're going into the game against the Chiefs here. You can always find Jeff and I's work on Windy City Gridiron. We've got our podcast channel there, uh, a couple other podcasts going strong. We've had some great uh, guests come up on the other podcast. Alan Robinson and Nick Kwiatkowski have been on Bill Zimmerman's podcast in the last couple of weeks. So if you're not checking that out, do yourself a favor. Um, log in, grab those, download, listen to them on the drive to your relatives this holidays. Uh, you can find Jeff at GridironBorn on Twitter. You can find my stuff at the Draftsman FB, as in football. Uh, and until then, um, you know, if you don't want to watch, don't watch. Don't pound your head against the wall. Uh, if you want to see some really good quarterbacking play, check out the Chiefs game. Uh, you'll at least get it from Patrick Mahomes. And just bear down and don't throw yourself against the wall. It's not worth it, Bears fans. There's lots of other good stuff coming up. And look forward to the holidays with your families and just enjoy.